Today on a very special Chasing the Word. And an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them, and the glory of the Lord flashed and shone around them, and they were terribly frightened. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. For this day in the city of David, there has been born for you a Savior, who is Christ the Lord, also known as the Messiah. And this will be a sign for you, by which you will recognize him. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. Hello and welcome to Compassion Radio with Bram Floria. Today, Bram and his wife Sandy continue with a four-part series on Advent with part three of a study that takes a biblical look at what this very special season means to you and I as believers. Here's Bram and Sandy to get things started. Honey, welcome around the table again for part three of this special series on Advent. Thank you. It has gone by so fast. Advent usually does. Yeah. It usually goes by fast because we're not paying attention to it. Mm -hmm. But we're trying to make an effort this year as a ministry to focus on the weeks leading up to Christmas, not just to recapture the traditions of the faith, which we do talk about in the second half of the program, but to bring a fresh light onto the events that led all the characters, all the people on the grand stage to a place called Bethlehem. Right. We have kings. We have wise men from the East, which were also known as kings. Everybody seems to want to speak for God in a time like this. I don't think it's really changed that much in the years since. But at that time, we see that all of these people seem to have a great interest in what was happening with this poor couple Mm -hmm. arriving in this poor suburb of Jerusalem. Mm -hmm. Joseph has to face his big trial. He's being faced with the possibility that his wife, in fact, has not been faithful to him. He's stuck with the assault on his integrity People questioning his character. All that stuff's going on at the same time. So let's read those verses from Matthew 1. So we'll pick it up in verse 18, chapter 1. So here, finally, is the story of the birth of Jesus the Anointed. And this is following all of the genealogy of Joseph. Proves that Joseph is in the line of David himself, not just Mary. Right. This is quite a remarkable story. Mary was engaged to marry Joseph, the son of David. They hadn't been married yet, and yet sometime well before their wedding date, Mary learned that she was pregnant by the Holy Spirit. Joseph, because he was kind and upstanding and honorable, wanted to spare Mary the shame. He did not want to cause her more embarrassment than necessary. Now, when he had decided to act on his instincts, he was going to divorce her quietly. A messenger of the Lord came to him in a dream and said, Joseph! Son of David, do not be afraid to wed Mary and bring her into your home and family as your wife. She did not sneak off and get pregnant with someone else. Rather, she conceived the baby she now carries through the miraculous wonder workings of the Holy Spirit. She will have a son and you will name him Jesus, which means the Lord saves, because this Jesus is the person who will save all of his people from sin. Joseph woke up from his dream and did exactly what the messenger told him to do. He married Mary and brought her into his home as his wife, though they did not consummate their marriage until after their son was born. And when the baby was born, Joseph named him Jesus. The naming of a child, of course, is a big deal in a lot of societies. 
every name had a deep meaning. It actually was like a sentence all contracted down to a few letters. And mm -hmm. in that sense, the name doesn't just mean God is a saving God. He's a God who saved. It means God is saving. It means God is about to save. God mm -hmm. is now doing his saving work. All that stuff. Talk about a boatload of expectations. But God himself, the Father, says to Joseph, you are to name him this. And when God says to name something something, he has a reason for it. So everything about this dream is now coming to pass because Joseph has been obedient. My question here is, what does it benefit Joseph at this point? Mm. All he can do is imagine what he might have thought a Messiah would be like, mm -hmm. a warrior king, something like that. But he doesn't know, really. In the same way that we spoke about Mary earlier on, there's a choice here that he's making. He's making a choice of obedience. And the angel came to him and said, don't be afraid to do this thing because this is from mm -hmm. God. And he, again, has a choice. And we see Joseph walking in obedience just the same way that we see Mary walking in obedience. Now, his choice is a little different from hers. She really didn't have a huge choice in it because she's mm -hmm. pregnant. And that's going to begin to show, and there's going to be an outcome to that. Joseph walked into this eyes wide open, seeing that this is something God is calling me to do, to raise his son. He's going into this twice eyes wide open. He was very, seems to me, reasonable and clear-eyed about the situation from a human perspective when he finds out that Mary is pregnant because he cared for her. Mm -hmm. I mean, how heartbroken the man must be that the bride he cherishes, the one he's looking forward to spending his life with, to be the mother of his children, seems to be unfaithful mm -hmm. before even day one. Mm -hmm. And he probably picked her, I'm going to make a wild guess here, for her reputation, for her purity, for her beauty, for her youth. Mm -hmm. He thought he knew. And now he doesn't know anything. Mm -hmm. How powerfully emotional this must have been for Joseph. Right. Let me ask you this, honey. What do you think was unique about the way that God approached Joseph from the way he approached Mary? Well, Scripture tells us where we're reading in Matthew that the messenger came to him in a dream. It may have been fitful sleep. And you know how sometimes when you have an important decision to make, when you have something pressing on you, if you're like me, you hash it out in your sleep and toss and turn. I see that's a unique thing to the way Joseph was brought this message. Yeah, Mary, from what it seems like we read before, was awake, maybe in a time of quiet, and the angel himself stood before her. So both of them are heavenly messengers and from heavenly messengers, but just happened in a different frame of reference. I also think about the innocence of Mary going into this. She did not have anything to be agitated about right. before this happened. There was no doubt. Her life was kind of mapped out for her and seemingly very accepting of her fate. She's going to be the wife of Joseph. She is already committed. They know they're going to be a family. But being a family was that last step. But it's a normal thing. Mm -hmm. You know, there's nothing unusual about this kind of arrangement. She would be perplexed that God would send his messenger right in the middle of something so mundane, so normal, mm -hmm. to bring up why this thing is not just normal or mundane. It is ordained by God. Mm -hmm. And so that perplexed her. Now, Joseph has exactly the opposite approach to the situation. His world has been thrown overboard. Upside down. So he's already on the far side. Of, I can't believe what's happening to me. When the messenger comes to him, it is to address the fears as much as the reality or the truth. Mm -hmm. But let me bring up one other point here. There are a number of places in the scripture where we hear of the revelation of God in the language of Daniel and Ezekiel and Isaiah. There's a phrase, young men will see visions and old men will dream dreams. Mm -hmm. There seems to be a distinction between those who are very young, the daydreamers among us, and those who are hardened and wise, 
who are the old people. Hmm. I kind of see this as being descriptive of where Mary and Joseph are. And it's been suggested a number of times that Joseph might be considerably older than her, mm-hmm. taking Mary into his household when she was just a teenager. So kind of the December May wedding idea, but not uncommon in times like this. And even today in the Middle East, it's not uncommon. Perhaps we're seeing that Joseph is someone who is established. He has crossed over that threshold, you might say, into deeper adulthood, where you're set in your ways. You don't have wild dreams about what could be. You're dealing with what you know can be. Practical. Much more practical and much more observant of the things that life requires. So Joseph, it seems to me, is in that category. Whether or not he's literally that much older than her or not, I sense that there's something spiritual going on in that description of him as being one that God would speak to in dreams versus in visions. Mm -hmm. And Mary is being envisioned with this truth. And yet they seem to have, at the heart of them, a very similar response to receive that word and accept it at face value and respond to it immediately. It's like without delay, Joseph says, come be with me. Mm -hmm. In other words, my solution, my plan for how to deal with you quietly and how to resolve the situation without harming our families, that's out the window because God has played, as we might say, the trump card on this pile and said, (laughs) I take control of this. This one's mine. And you have to understand that you don't hold the cards, Joseph, I do. This is what I'm about to do. In fact, you need to know and understand that the child that you're going to protect, when I'm giving you charge over, is not just any child. He's mine. Mm. And I'm expecting you to be the best steward of the very best gift I will ever give to anybody ever. Both of them have been given an extraordinary responsibility, an extraordinary gift. The person who is Jesus, the ultimate treasure in the universe. And they both respond in the same way. Basically, their attitude is, whatever you want, Lord, let it be as you say. Right. Whatever you want. Is it possible to say no in a situation like that? I don't know. It's hard to imagine that they would even consider that. They accept the truth. I give Joseph great credit for that. So for me, that is the core of this particular passage. There's one more I want to jump to in the next chapter. We have this great perseverance being shown in Joseph's faith and in Mary's faith. But there's also a great pilgrimage happening in the lives of what we know as the wise men. Let's read about them. Jesus was born in the town of Bethlehem, in the province of Judea, at the time when King Herod reigned. Not long after Jesus was born, magi, or wise men from the east, made their way to Jerusalem. These wise men made inquiries. Where is this newborn who is the king of the Jews? When we were far away in the east, we saw his star, and we have followed it all the way to worship him. King Herod began to hear rumors of the wise men's quest, and he and all of his followers in Jerusalem were worried. So Herod called all of the leading Jewish teachers, the chief priests and head scribes, and he asked them where Hebrew tradition claimed the long-awaited Messiah would be born. An ancient Hebrew prophet Micah said this, But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are no poor relation, for from your people will come a ruler who will be the shepherd of my people Israel. So Herod called the wise men to him, demanding to know the exact time the special star had appeared to them. Then Herod sent them to Bethlehem. Go to Bethlehem, he said, and search high and low for the Savior child. And as soon as you know where he is, report to me so that I may go and worship him too. So the wise men left Herod's chambers and went on their way. And the star they had first seen in the east reappeared, a miracle that, of course, overjoyed and enraptured them. The star led them to the house where Jesus lay, and as soon as they arrived, they saw him with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. They unpacked their satchels and gave Jesus gifts of gold, 
frankincense, and myrrh. And then, just as Joseph did a few months before, the wise men had had a dream warning them not to go back to Herod. The wise men heeded the dream. Ignoring Herod's instructions, they returned to their homes in the east by a different route. And that's the end of the chapter where we see the lives of the three wise men interacting with all of these famous people of the Bible. A couple of things come to mind for me first, Sonny, and we can talk about more what they might mean. Consider what it meant for protocol. These men are emissaries of a foreign kingdom with great powers. The relations that the nation of Israel has with the most high kings of the east go way back, Mm -hmm. and they're memorialized. When they studied the stars and they got their sign, it doesn't indicate in the scripture here that they saw a star and followed it to Jerusalem. It says they saw a star. Hmm. They understood what the star meant and they went on their journey. And then it says later here in Matthew that the star reappeared Mm -hmm. miraculously and stood over the place where Jesus was laying, which sounds to me like a new appearance. And so they see the star and it's like, oh, he's right there. Not just he's here, but he's right there. Mm -hmm. And they follow it with great joy. And we know that it was probably two, maybe almost three years after the birth of Jesus where the wise men showed up. They would have had to see the sign, interpret the sign, and then travel not under the light of the star, but travel in faith, Mm. in the light of faith. That the sign they saw while they were afar off was in fact the sign that meant something and they knew what it meant because they knew how to read the scriptures. Mm. They knew how to read the stars. Probably read the writings of Isaiah and Daniel. They knew the Jewish prophets, so they came. When the star reappeared, it gave them a laser focus. There they are in Jerusalem with King Herod right there. And it seemed like they're the only people that notice or care about this new sign. Right. Them and their thousand camels. And their entourage of people that went all the way across the desert with them. That, to me, shows a great perseverance in the faith of those men that coming to Jerusalem would be rewarded, that they would have the opportunity to worship a great king. Mm -hmm. They're exercising their faith by setting one foot in front of the other and going a long distance. When they saw that sign, they said, now is the time. Mm. They must have decided this by the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm convinced of that. Well, I don't think there's any other way to decide something like that. Even a great curiosity Mm. wouldn't lead you on this kind of pilgrimage. I don't believe. And to plan the gifts. You know, they're not mm-hmm. coming just accidentally thinking, oh, let's bring some chocolates and stuff. Oh, it's Christmas time. Bring some candy canes. Right. They have planned for this. And it probably was written down, when the time shall come, when a great king is born, bring these gifts. The most significant ones, the ones that we read about, are the ones that add great significance yeah. of holiness, of kingship, of suffering. The gift of gold was for a king yeah. given to him because he's the king of kings. The frankincense was a type of incense. So yes. that would be something that you would give to a priest for use in worship. It is still used in worship. And censors that are swung in the Far Eastern Orthodox churches Mm -hmm. and even Roman Catholic churches now, they will actually use that spice in the incenses so that at high holy days, you would smell that in unique times Mm -hmm. of year. And it really is a very interesting, fragrant, floral meets piney kind of smell. I like it. And yet myrrh is also in there. Myrrh it was something that when you add it to other spices can be smelled in a very different way. But it also was used for preservation. Well, it's an ointment for healing, they said. Kind of like aloe is used for cuts Mm -hmm. and bruises now. And it's also used to embalm, signifying that Jesus was born to die. Yeah. These three kings of Orient are telling us that the one they came to worship was a king first, a king now, and a king always. Mm -hmm. They brought things that were costly to them. Yes. And we need to remember that. They didn't bring cheap gifts. 
What did Mary and Joseph do with these gifts? We don't know. There's much speculation for how that gold and that frankincense might have been used over the years that Jesus was alive. But there's no question in my mind that God had a plan for each of those gifts to be used to fulfill his purposes in the life of Jesus. Mm -hmm. I can imagine even at his death that his mother reserved that myrrh and those aloes for his very burial. Mm. I think if we look at Advent as our own spiritual journey and adoration and revelation coming to the point of the baby, Mm. each step is a new discovery for us. These stories come alive in our own lives. These are actual events that are so significant in our lives. And as we focus on these specific pieces of the story every week, we can gain a new understanding of what the birth of Christ means in our own lives. So if anything we could do, we should be able to break free from this post-Christian experience of looking at this as if it's some kind of pageant. There's not a character we're reading about now that doesn't have a stake in this game, that doesn't feel the power of the narrative. It's weighty. And that's how we have to wrap up that third week of Advent for us, the perseverance of the saints, the pilgrimage of the seekers. These are the hallmarks of this third week of Advent, and we need to take them to heart, not just to mind. You're listening to Compassion Radio with Bram Floria. Hi, friends. Compassion Radio is still the radio voice of the global church, and that's completely due to the Lord's provision through you. As we look forward to 2023, the first goal is to grow our vision team by another 200 people. Secondly, we've got a specific year-end budget challenge of $200,000 that we must raise in order to fully fund the projects that we've been contributing to for years. I'm confident in you and the Lord's provision through you to make all these things possible and much more. Thank you, friends. Give online today at CompassionRadio.com or call us at 1-800-868-2478. And you can send your gift by mail to Compassion Radio, Box 2770, Orange, California, 92859. Compassion Radio with Bram Floria. Honey, it's kind of an exciting time because we are transitioning from the idea of Jesus coming to the idea that he actually has come. We focus on what it means that Jesus arrived, and we have some activities and some scripture challenges and some other ideas, letting our listeners be part of Advent in a new way and maybe invite their children to be part of it. Well, the third week of Advent focuses on the theme of joy. 
And there's a lot of mm. joy that happens when a baby is born. And yep. that's exciting. And the preparation and getting ready for a baby. We did read the scripture in Matthew chapter 2 where it says that when they saw the star that reappeared, they were overjoyed and enraptured. Yeah. And that's the kind of thing that we're talking about in this week of Advent. So the first scripture that we're going to read is Luke 2. 8 through 20. And honey, would you read that for us? Sure. In the same region where all this was happening, there were shepherds staying out in the fields at night, keeping watch over their flock. And an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them, and the glory of the Lord flashed and shone around them. And they were terribly frightened. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. For this day in the city of David, there has been born for you a Savior, who is Christ the Lord, also known as the Messiah. And this will be a sign for you, by which you will recognize him. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. Then suddenly there appeared with that angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace among men with whom he is well pleased. When the angels had gone away from them into the heavens, the shepherds began saying one to another, Let us go straight to Bethlehem and see this wonderful thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. So they went in a hurry and found their way to Mary and Joseph and the baby as he lay in a manger. And when they had seen this, they made known what they had been told about this child, and all who heard the story were astounded and wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary, she treasured all these things, giving careful thought to them and pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds themselves returned to what they were doing, glorifying and praising God for all they had seen and heard, just as it had been told to them. And further on in that chapter, it goes on to talk about how Mary and Joseph took baby Jesus to the temple after mm. the eight days required before his circumcision. Mm. And we meet Simeon and Anna at the temple, and they are full of joy mm. and prophesy and worship. They had received a promise they would see this child, right. and they knew it when they saw it. This is a time of great joy. Yeah. So here are some conversation starters with your family. How do you envision all-consuming celebration of joy that the shepherds witnessed? What, what does that look like in your mind? Let's talk about that. In terms of your life, how do you celebrate both the big and little victories? Hmm. Even if you're going through something difficult in your life right now, what can you choose to celebrate with joy today as you remember that like Simeon, God will fulfill his promises to you? So those are some conversation starters for your family. Just talking about things that bring you joy, ways that you can express joy and even choose joy in light of difficult circumstances. Well, I mean, it goes almost to the point of ad nauseum for us at this ministry when we say how often we appreciate our listeners. Mm -hmm. The folks that are hearing this this little lesson right now, folks, you bring us great joy. Yes. That you're participating with us right now to bring that joy forward to others you love. That's what we're praying for. We'd love to hear from you about what has happened in your Advent season. You've been spending time with your children or other family members or friends, pondering more deeply the meaning of this journey to the heart of Jesus. Let us know what your joys have been. Yeah. How has God met you where you are? We'd love to hear that. I want to invite you to go to our website and see some great activities that we have listed there for you, for your family. There's one called the Giving Manger Craft, and it's a great idea to do with small children. 
Cher even told us that she and Norm did this, just the two of them, yeah. for several years in their home and then really enjoyed it. And there's also an Advent wreath craft that you can build with your family to celebrate Advent in the way that we've been talking about. That link is right near the top of our page. Just look for activities link on the podcast page for this program. Thank you, friends, for sharing your time with us and planning for your next step in Advent. On our next program, we'll be preparing for the birthday of Jesus, bringing it all to a close, we shall say, but bringing to new life the power of the story that becomes the power of our lives. And all that on tomorrow's Compassion Radio. If you missed anything today, well, you can listen again anytime. Just open up your browser on your computer or smartphone or even your tablet and go to CompassionRadio.com. Again, it's CompassionRadio.com. Now, if you liked what you heard, please consider supporting Compassion Radio. First, with your prayers. You know, when you pray for us, God increases the effectiveness of this ministry by empowering the Compassion Radio team for service and by opening doors of opportunity for us to be a blessing to the body of Christ. Now, second, would you please share this broadcast with a friend or a loved one? This is going to help us reach as many people as possible with the important work God is doing in the lives of those who live in a missional way. And really, that's all of us, you and I. Finally, please consider supporting this ministry financially. You can give a one-time gift, a semi-regular gift, or you can become a Compassion Radio Vision Team member. And that means a regular monthly gift for the amount of your choosing. You know, this ministry is 100% listener-supported, and that means it's your gifts that make it possible for us to continue. You can support Compassion Radio right now by calling 800-868-2478 or by visiting CompassionRadio.com. That's 800-868-2478 or CompassionRadio.com. You can also text the word COMPASSION to 53445. That's the word COMPASSION to 53445. Four four five, And of course, you can always mail your gift to Compassion Radio at P.O. Box 2770, Orange, California, 92859. That's P.O. Box 2770, Orange, California, 92859. And thank you so much for taking the time out of your busy day to listen, spend a little time with us. Be sure to join us again for more Compassion Radio with Bram Floria. This program is sponsored by Compassion Ventures Incorporated and your generous financial support.